0: Hi, everybody, Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Locked On Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson and I am the host of this show. We want to thank you each and every day for supporting our program, getting your fix on everything that there is to know about Duke athletics. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe to Lockdown Blue Devils for free wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Watch the show daily on YouTube as well. Hit that subscribe button to our YouTube channel. Your support means the absolute world to us here on the program. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Today is May 31st of the year 2023 meaning the NBA draft deadline has come. We have finally arrived to the big moment of truth, figuring out whether or not players will be uh, returning to college, possibly going into the transfer portal and looking for a new home. And we'll talk about the Duke basketball angle and all of this here on today's show with my good pal, Brendan Marks from The Athletic. Brendan, certainly do appreciate the time. How are you on this uh, Wednesday? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me, as always. Absolutely. So here we are. It's the NBA draft deadline and if you will kind of remind folks where Duke was at a year ago when today came and how different it is here in the year 2023.
1: Yeah, well, you and I were just talking about this off the air uh and you know, essentially this time last year we were all on Trevor Keel's watch waiting to see if he would be returning for his sophomore season and Um, you know ultimately he obviously decided not to do that and turned out turned out okay for Duke anyways because Tyrese Proctor ended up coming a year early and uh, obviously we saw what that looked like last season and is going to pay dividends this year so uh, luckily for for my sleep schedule Duke does not have any of those decisions lingering this year the roster is mostly done and set and um, so this is going to be a less eventful day than it probably would have been in the past.
0: Yeah, so here we are with Duke basketball. Jeremy Roach returning a few weeks ago was the last kind of notable roster news that was in place. And now you take a look at scholarship situation for the program. There is a scholarship left open. And a lot of people wonder, is there any potential movement with some of these other deadline decisions that need to be made?
1: Yeah, so, you know, that's that's sort of the thing is um, after most of these deadlines, there's sort of a, a clearing off period. So, you know, after the uh, initial deadline to hop into the transfer portal for undergrad, there's, there's a little bit of a quiet where everyone sort of reassesses the landscape. And I would expect that we're going to see sort of a similar situation right now as teams get guys back, uh, as teams, you know, maybe some who are unexpected who decide to pull out of the draft at the last second. Suddenly what you need in the portal changes. Suddenly your NIL situation changes. And so I do think we're going to see a little bit of a reset once this deadline passes. Um, but this is one of the more – this is one of the final real substantial off-season college basketball deadlines. I do think we're going to see a flurry of movement you know, in the next couple of days here after this passes.
0: Yeah, and then you look at the calendar. Tomorrow turns June 1st. Tomorrow becomes a day in which NCAA Division I programs can get back into the gym, get to work. I would imagine uh, the Duke basketball social media staffs are going to be quick to work, showing us action shots of the players back inside the gym and whatnot with freshmen starting to arrive. So all of a sudden it turns to a point where, okay, here's the team. Let's get a mountain working on the court.
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, K Academy is this week. Um, so this is a time when, you know, the freshmen are, they're coming in, they're getting briefed, they're joining the teams with the, the coaching staffs to, you know, quote unquote draft their teams. Uh, so they're all getting integrated right now. Like you mentioned, obviously we'll get out on the court and have that element too, but, You know, this is the found work. This is the ground. This is the ground level. This is the foundation. This is where it all starts. And, you know, if there is any other movement in filling that final scholarship spot, um, you know, it's it's I think it's a beneficial thing for Duke that there are only, you know, marginal changes that are going to be made from here on out. John Shire has a pretty good idea right now of what his roster looks like.
0: So when you take a look at that roster in front of you there, Brendan, and for folks watching us on YouTube as well, you take a look at this year's upcoming squad with four freshmen, five sophomores, and then a handful of upperclassmen. I mean, what do you make of, of John Shire's year two squad?
1: I think it's really good. Uh, I think, you know, that's my expert analysis. It's, it's, it's a team that's going to start the year out in the top three, top five of the preseason. And depending on what happens to that last scholarship, um, especially if they can fill that with the difference, making big man, I think, you know, the potential to be the preseason number one team in the country, uh, you've got, you know, reasonably most things that you could want. You have experience in the backcourt with Jeremy Roach and now Tyrese Proctor, you have fit, you have four returning starters. Um, You have experience. And Ryan Young, who's a guy who gave you really good leadership last year as a new guy, I would expect that he could potentially be named the captain this year. Uh, Jalen Blakes, it's wild to think this is already going to be his third year in town. So I think you have a a really solid foundation, especially contingent on that freshman class from last year. And then you see those four names down at the bottom, and it's sort of a question of, okay, who is going to be able to make the biggest impact out of that group? Um, I think it's going to be difficult for all of them too, but certainly some of those guys are going to be called upon early and often.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing which of those guys are going to be called upon right out of the gates because we saw freshmen over the last several seasons of Duke basketball be quickly uh, inserted into the madness. But when you look at this year's team with three sophomores back who started way so many games for for Duke, way too many to count a year ago, and then Jeremy Roach back, I mean, uh, the the opportunities there – are going to be a little bit less for some of the freshmen that we're used to seeing over the last several years.
1: And and that's especially true just because of some of the positional overlap, um, you know, with, with Caleb Foster and Jared McCain, those are guys who, if, if they're going to, you know, any school, not any school except for Duke, but most schools they're starting. And so now you're talking about a situation where instead those guys are going to get to sort of come along a little more slowly. Um, You know, Jared, you know, we've seen sort of the the rankings tumble and change and they sort of finalize and crystallize here at the end. Uh, And I believe Jared has ended up as sort of the the consensus highest recruit who Duke has coming in. And I think the the reason why I'm expecting him to make an early impact is because he brings something that, you know, to some extent is a question mark about this roster. It's three-point shooting. Um, You know, we saw flashes of that from Kyle Filipowski, flashes of it from Tyrese Proctor, especially the back half of the year, um, Mark Mitchell as well. Jeremy Roach, we didn't necessarily see it consistently from any of those guys. And so if Jared McCain can bring that, if he can do that consistently and hit those shots, he's obviously going to carve out a role for himself a little more quickly than maybe some of the others.
0: Let's continue our conversation. Duke basketball with the season right around the corner in some regards, with it starting and folks being on campus still a ways away from the first games being played. And we'll talk about that in just a moment here on Lockdown Blue Devils. Our show today is brought to you by our good friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book, and you want to make this a part of your daily life. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs right here on the eve of the NBA Finals. Right now, new customers can get that no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. How about that? That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. There's no better place to bet on all the playoff action then America's number one sports book, what a fun finals we're expecting, the Denver Nuggets out of the Western Conference, the Miami Heat, out of the Eastern Conference, should be a whole lot of fun. You can find player props, dunks, points scored, three-point shots drained, and so much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash on and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash on. FanDuel is the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Welcome back into Lockdown Blue Devils, JJ Jackson alongside Brendan Marks here of The Athletic. Uh, Brendan, before we get any further, you've made Final Four predictions, Super Bowl predictions, college football national title picks. You know that this was coming, uh, but with the NBA Finals starting tomorrow, how do you see this one playing out?
1: Yeah, you know, as uh, much as I enjoyed that Miami-Boston series, uh, <laughs> I, I, I just don't see how anybody's beating the Nuggets. Uh, Jokic is one of, you know, I think everybody's favorite players. He's so much fun to watch. Um, I actually got to go and, and took my fiance to uh, Nuggets game a couple of years ago, Dwayne Wade's last season in Miami. So we have a particular affinity for Jokic <laughs> in our house. Um, I'm actually going to be in Denver in the next couple of weeks. So Awesome. There is there is a finals game that overlaps if, it makes, if the series goes that long, but uh, I'm going to go Nuggets in five. I, I think that it might be possible for Miami to get one, but uh, it's time for Jokic to get his ring.
0: Yeah, a, a really popular pick you're going with there, and I think that's a smart way to look at the series as it unfolds. Uh, former Duke Blue Devil Jack White uh, will be in the building for all those games there at the end of the bench, so uh, happy for him and, and what's taking place there. So uh, after that comes to a close, the NBA draft comes up next. As we mentioned, there's no Duke players outstanding that still have to make a decision here today. But um, here we are on May 31st, three weeks or so away from the draft actually taking place. I think it's 22 days accounting counting uh, away from the madness getting started for that NBA draft. And Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead trying to figure out how, where their NBA careers will get started.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that both of them have some strong opportunities, you know, right now um, I'd expect Derek Lively is going to get picked ahead of Dariq Whitehead, Um, you know, teams, especially it's so fascinating to me because the draft conversation in like March versus the draft conversation, once the playoffs start does change because teams see teams see what kind of players make differences. And what you've seen is that you need big men who are able to, you know, be defensively versatile. You need big men who are going to be able to switch onto the perimeter to some extent. You need guys who can play drop coverage. You need guys who offer rim protection. You need guys who offer rim rolling. You need guys who do all of that. And Derek Lively kind of does. I I don't know that offensively he's ever going to really be a force, but um, in terms of providing everything that you want to create a defensive identity for a team, he does that. And conventionally, if you talk to agents, you talk to decision makers, you talk to execs nowadays at the NBA level – They're really hesitant to draft centers in the first round generally because unless you're going to be a starter, you can find a backup, you know, a backup center in the NBA for the veteran minimum and and they can be productive players. Um, The fact that Derek Lively is being talked about as a potential lottery pick, a top 20 guy, leads me to believe that there are teams and some of the teams who I have spoken with that there's a chance that they view Derek Lively as a starting center at the NBA level. So uh, I think he's a guy who's probably going to hear his name called you know, relatively early. And after what we saw him do the second half of the season, I think that's entirely justified.
0: And not only that, I was going to say with what we've seen as of late, you know, we get clips out from pro days taking place and Derek Lively being repped by Clutch Sports already is getting some chances to work uh, at the next level. He wants to show off the outside jump shot. And if he's able to make that a part of his game at the next level, whew, who knows what the, that guy could be capable of accomplishing?
1: Yeah, that, that outside jump shot is is definitely a swing skill. Um, you know, I know that there were some some scouts in attendance for uh, the Duke Oral Roberts game, the first round of the NCAA tournament, who came away absolutely in love with him defensively and absolutely appalled at that one corner three he had. <laughs> uh, I think everybody knows the one I'm talking about. But yeah, certainly, I think he does have some interesting touch. Um, the form doesn't look bad. It's a little bit slow loading, but uh, that's that's never going to be his calling card. You know, if he can add that, if that's another weapon that he offers, great. But you're drafting this guy for his defense. You're you're drafting him to be an anchor and, and he can be that.
0: Where are we at with Whitehead?
1: He is probably, I would say, one of the two or three guys with the biggest range of outcomes in this entire draft. Teams are very, very, just sort of all over the place with him. Um, you know, On one hand, you have a guy who has the pedigree of being a top five prospect in his high school class, a guy who uh, looked every bit the part of a three and D wing that you would want. He had slashing, he could dunk on people, was incredibly athletic and everything that we saw last season goes against what we saw in high school. He obviously struggled with the foot injury, then had to have a second foot procedure, which I think explains away, you know, some of the lack of athleticism, some of the lack of pop that we saw from him, but you also saw what looks like a really dependable three point shot that I think was honed in part because of that injury. So who is the real Drew Whitehead? You know, is it the guy we saw in high school? Is it the guy we saw last year? And, and realistically it's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, it does, it's not entirely dissimilar to me from the position that A.J. Griffin was in, where he had sort of a dip- different reputation in high school than what he showed at Duke, um, where he was also relegated to more of a spot-up shooting role. The difference being that uh, I think A.J.'s injury situation had resolved itself a little bit more than Dariq's has. And so that's something where scouts are still trying to gather information, teams are. But um, especially, you know, in those 20s, that's an area where you're looking for lottery picks. Outside of the top 20 picks, and there's usually only about 20 guys in every draft who actually hit, you're looking for opportunities, you're looking for guys who have that pedigree, and Whitehead has that. So um, I'd be very surprised if he fell out of the first round, but uh, I'd also be very surprised if he was picked probably as high as some people thought that he might have entering last season when we were talking about him as a potential top five, top ten guy.
0: About 22 days away from the NBA draft when we will get to figure out where Derek Lively II and Dariq Whitehead will be drafted. Brendan Marks of The Athletic is here with us on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils, set to see Duke players arrive on campus. We've got, of course, K-Academy coming up in the next few days, which is always incredible uh, in terms of content and seeing some of those former Duke players back on campus participating in the festivities and you take a look at this Duke team now with 12 scholarship players in the fix, ready to go. Does Duke feel satisfied with this team, Brendan, or in your gut, is there still a move to be played that we just don't know what exactly it is?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think um, it is not at all guaranteed that there's going to be an addition. Um, There, there's nothing that, you know, Nothing I've heard, nothing that I've been told that suggests that 100% that spot's getting filled with, you know, I think we've all been assuming, not assuming, but, you know, been told that it's going to be a big a big man, a veteran big. Um, And obviously you look at the landscape of that roster that you were just showing, JJ, and yes, you have Kyle Filipowski, who's a seven-footer, but he's a stretch forward. I do think that – I don't think, I know we're going to see him play some center this year. He's going to be asked to be in that position – that's both from a Duke perspective and from a Filipowski perspective. At the next level, scouts want to know, is this guy a four? Is this guy a five? Um, obviously, Lively was handling most of the interior defensive responsibilities last year, the rim protection. Filipowski is going to get some opportunity to prove you know, his capability there. You also have Ryan Young, but you look at the way the NCAA tournament unfolded last season, and how would you feel about those two guys being your only bigs going up against you know, the likes of an Adama Sinogo at UConn? And so I think that that is still a lingering question mark, but, um, if it's not resolved, then those two guys are going to be your guys. Um, the wild card in that mix is Christian Reeves, who obviously has the frame, but you know, it was, brought in to be a developmental guy has long said that he was going to be a developmental guy and, you know, but in limited minutes last year, didn't look bad, looked okay against Zach Eady when they were out in Portland. Um, so I, I think that's one of the big question marks is can you get – it's such a tough sell, JJ, because you're trying to get somebody – yes, it's Duke, and yes, it's potentially a starting spot, but you are not going to be taking most of the shots. You are not going to be a top-four scorer. Right. Uh, your contributions are not necessarily going to jump off of the box score. And so it's a little bit of a complicated sell because you're offering someone a role and a platform but not necessarily the production that – um someone who is coming in to fill that role probably is deserving of. So it's a complicated situation. I wouldn't be shocked just at this point. You have seen a lot of guys go off the board. There are still some who are available as we were talking about the draft will crystallize that landscape a little bit more. If I had to say right now, I I would think that Duke would still like to add somebody, but the longer this process drags out, you know, the more unlikely it is that that actually comes to fruition.
0: And then it becomes more likely that one of the walk ons in the Duke program could get the benefit of that 13th scholarship. And uh, we know how much of an impact they can make on the practice courts in terms of the morale amongst the team and that sort of thing. So uh, that remains a possibility for this Duke program if no one else is added. So as we start to wind down here on the program today, Brendan, we're always keeping our eyes on what's happening eight miles down the road. And then, of course, in the big picture of the ACC conference itself, as we shuffle the deck and, and look at what the league will look like next year, here on the eve of June starting, I mean, where does Duke rank and amongst their peers?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Duke is going to be the slam dunk favorite in the ACC this year. Not not too dissimilarly from North Carolina last year, where it was sort of consensus, um, and and look how that played out. Uh, not not to say that that same thing is going to happen, but right. You look at the returners, you look at having so many starters, and I think it's not just the fact that they're back. It was the, the strides they made over the second half of the year. Um, you know, Kyle Filipowski is going to be a preseason All-American. Tyrese Proctor, you know, could probably be in that same mix. Um, you know, Jeremy Roach is, is, you know, as dependable as they come. He's, you know, going to be one of the, the more storied point guards by the time he's done, probably in Duke history, which is wild to think about. Um, elsewhere in the ACC, North Carolina has gotten a lot better. Um, You know, I'm obviously, you know, intimately covering them as well. You know, adding Elliot Cadeau is is a huge thing for them. Uh, He's a guy who was the best point guard in 2024, reclassifies, comes in a year early. Um, North Carolina is probably going to be a little bit smaller of a team this year uh, if you're starting Cadeau and R.J. Davis in the same backcourt. But uh, in terms of talent, you look at those two guys, Cormac Ryan from Notre Dame is a proven shooter. Harrison Ingram from Stanford is, you know, sort of a do-everything point forward. And obviously Armando Baycott's back that's a really good lineup. I mean, that's a top 15, top 20 team as well nationally. And then Miami who has sort of become this ACC fixture the last couple (laughs) of years, um, going out, replenishing themselves in the transfer portal with Matthew Cleveland may not be done adding in the transfer portal based on some things that I've heard. Um, you know, Virginia, they're still awaiting some, some stay or go decisions here at the deadline. We'll see what ends up happening, but you know, I would say those are probably the top three teams that you're looking at right now. Um, but even that, the, the thing that I think is encouraging for Duke and for the ACC as a whole next season is some of those teams that were really struggling last year. Um, Louisville's gotten a lot better, has brought in a lot of talent. Uh, Syracuse has gotten a lot better, brought in a lot of talent, even though they lost Jesse Edwards and Joe Girard. Clemson has gotten a lot better. I think Clemson's going to be a really interesting team. So there, there's the ACC on the whole I think has had a good offseason. Obviously still decisions left to be made, but – um, Duke is going to be the clear front runner here. And it's, it's sort of Duke's conference to lose.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to continuing to
1: follow your work over the next few weeks. I'm sure you're
0: going to have a lot of great stories on the horizon set to come out with um, access coming and, and that sort of thing. So if you will, one more time, Brendan, give us a plug for The Athletic and, and where we can find all of your work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I share all my work on my Twitter at Brendan R. Marks. Uh, and then obviously it all goes up at theathletic.com. Uh, you know, I, I'm biased. I think we have the best, you know, sports, sports writing in the whole world. I think we have the best college basketball team in the country. Um, we have more people covering college basketball than anybody else. And yeah, for me, this is the fun time of the year because it's where you start to see things come together. You know, at this time last year, Tyrese Proctor wasn't even in the fold yet. So it's wild <laughs> how things can still change. Dariq Whitehead hadn't been hurt yet. Derek Whitehead, you know, was still thriving at this point. And, you know, so for me, it's it's exciting to uh, – usually it's at K Academy, but in the next couple of weeks here we're going to get to start to know some of these new guys. We're going to get to talk to Jeremy. We're going to get to talk to Kyle and some of these returners about what they've been doing. Um, so so for me, it's about the start of that access. As always, some longer features. I've got one in the works uh, with one of the coaches who I'm, I'm pretty excited about. And hopefully all that comes to fruition in the next couple of weeks here. Certainly appreciate the visit. We'll do this again soon, okay? Absolutely. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. All right.
0: That's Brendan Marks of The Athletic joining us here on the program today. And that's going to do it for another episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. As always, go support his work and continue to watch us each and every day here on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.